Keeping Up with Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure, is sponsored by SJL General Contractors. SJL General Contractors is licensed in both Alabama and Tennessee. This family-owned business provides mass grading, storm drainage, sewer and concrete improvement, asphalt paving, erosion control, demolition, and heavy hauling. If you're in need of any of these services, you can contact them at 931 933-4660. That is 931-433-4660. If you'd like to be employed by this family-owned company, three W's and a dot, sjnl.com, www.sjnl.com. The gravy center of the brain is located at the apex of the brain where the North Pole would be if your head were a globe. Now, you won't read about the gravy center in any of your scientific books or any of your physiology or any of your anatomy books. You won't read about it in neuroscience. Uh, Dr. Daniel Amen, as he describes some rudimentary or some basic structures of the brain, will talk about your left and right temporal lobes. He'll talk about the cingulate gyrus. He'll talk about the amygdala. He'll talk about the prefrontal cortex. He'll talk about the neocortex. You'll get some talk about the uh, limbic system. You'll, you'll hear him talk about the thalamus and the hypothalamus, but you won't hear him talk about the, um, the gravy center of the brain. I think that I'm the only person who discusses the gravy center of the brain. It was a well-known fact that I did not eat gravy, did not like gravy. Sam, I am, I do not like gravy. And the kids and I from, from Memorial Parkway were setting up our stage, which was a black curtain with some light poles when we used to do the skits with the youth group. And we were setting up for a banquet. I think we were over at the old uh, Quincy's where the 88 Meteor Buffet is now. And we were getting ready to perform for an evangelism class or something. And it was kind of the entertainment of the evening. And we had these big pedestals that were made out of lumber. And then we would screw these half-inch metal pipes into it and then hang the lights on it. Well, to keep those pipes from rolling back and forth in the floor of the van, I had put these big uh, T-units on there to hold them in place. Well, I'm on my knees messing with uh, the wooden pedestal. A young man is standing beside me and above me, and he's screwing the metal T off, and instead of catching it, it drops and hits me in the head. And it didn't hit my head and bounce off. It hit my head and stayed and slid off. Uh, I, I had to go backstage between my skits and, and keep the blood from flowing down into my eyes. And then the next day I got up and announced to Jackie, hey, I'm going to Hardy's and have a biscuit and gravy. And she said, but you don't like gravy. And I said, today I do. And we've decided that that is the gravy center of the brain. And mine was altered when I got smacked in the head by a metal pipe. We were in uh, Arkansas back when uh, Jackie's dad was still alive. He had been dealing with this mysterious illness that overtook him, and, and he was convalescing, and, and Connie had a lot on her plate. That's Jackie's mom, and uh, was taking care of Mr. Jack full-time, and there were some, some alterations in her schedule, and uh, we noticed that some of the things that she was normally famous for, like having a, a fully stocked fridge and a fully stocked cabinet when the, the kids and the grandkids were in town, she wasn't paying as much attention to that. She was basically in a survival mode. Well, Lonnie Beth and Tyler were with us, and they hadn't been married probably a year and a half. 
basically a newlywed couple. And so we were there visiting and Tyler likes to eat. Tyler has uh, some real definite taste in food. And so we're trying to impress him with some good old Arkansas country cooking. And Connie made a batch of biscuits and gravy. We sat down to eat and, and Tyler consumed his portion. And as the girls slowly moved into their portion, somebody remarked, hey, this gravy might have a kick to it. In fact, this gravy has more than a kick. This gravy has a wang to it. This may be beyond ruined milk. It may be fermented gravy. There may be a, you may have to have a license to serve this, may have to be 21 to eat it. This was rent gravy, not ruined, but rent. That's a Southern term. It was rent gravy. And Tyler had eaten a large portion of it. And, and Lonnie Beth tends to be uh, hyperbolic. And so she's spun up to about 400 foot pounds and she's bouncing around. Tyler, you ate that gravy. I can't believe you ate that gravy. That was terrible gravy. That milk was sour. That milk was ruined. I can't believe you ate that gravy. And Tyler never gets excited except over sports. Tyler never loses his composure except when he's dealing with a basketball game. And he looked at her and calmly replied, Baby, I've had bad gravy before. <laughs> Maybe not the wisest thing a newlywed should say to his new cook, but that is what he said. And it was almost inspirational. See, if you've had bad gravy, you're prepared to deal with bad gravy. It was once said, experience is not what happens to you, but what you do with what happens to you. David Shannon, when he was talking about uh, therapeutic moralistic deism, the, the idea that if you say your prayers and give your tithes, then uh, good things will happen to you, said, you know, that, that's the largest religion in America is the idea that if I'm a good person, you'll be a good person. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible basically says that we do what we do regardless of our circumstances, and we do what we do based on a, a set of values, not on a set of consequences. If A is what happens to me, and C is my life, A does not equal C. A is what happens to me, B is how I respond to it, and C then is my life. Experience is not what happens to you, but rather what you do with what happens to you. We teach that lesson on the ropes course. And one of my favorite elements on the ropes course is a spider's web. It's a giant uh, web, and we pretend it is the work of the deadly mutant jungle pygmy wolf spider. And it's not, when you look at this web, it's not that you're concerned that there's a spider that's this big, but that he can tie a clove hitch. And it's basically a barrier, and, and the parties have to go from, from one side of the web to the other side of the web. You can't go over the web. You can't go under the web. You must go through the web, and you must go through the web without touching it. And once you go through a hole, that hole is closed and nobody else can use it. And so groups have to problem solve and sequence. And as we talk about what happens at the end of the spider web, one of the takeaways is nobody goes through this without helping somebody else get through it. And if you really want to know what your definition, what your purpose in life is, if you really want to know what you're on the planet for, ask yourself, hey, what have I been through? And that probably qualifies you in some way, shape, or form to help somebody else get through it. She, 
she sent me a text. And the text included pictures of a little girl who had just had a steel plate installed in her skull. Her family had been hit by an out-of-control SUV. They were walking on the sidewalk in the snow, headed to watch the college students slide down a hill. And the out-of-control, on-slippery-roads SUV wiped this little family out. The little one in the pictures had been in Lonnie Beth's and Tyler's wedding. Lonnie Beth had just left the hospital room and had texted me. That was really hard. I've been in those rooms, and I've stood beside those kind of beds more often than I like to think about it. I've been in the bed and looked up to see people standing around in disbelief that something like that could happen. It feels like a lifetime ago we were in the backyard and we were playing volleyball and it was in our backyard and my pager went off. Pager, that's how long ago it was. That was the first version of the electronic leash before the invisible fence and the cell phone. And my pager went off. A teenage girl, a girl from my youth group, a girl who used to play volleyball with us and used to babysit Lonnie Beth, a teenage girl had been involved in a wreck. And and her brain was swelling. And we went to the hospital, and, and, and as a youth minister, you're not supposed to have favorite students, but this really was one of my favorites, and she was special. And she was not only a friend, but she was Lonnie Beth's babysitter from time to time, and she and Lonnie Beth had a very special relationship. And I'm not a doctor, and I'm not a surgeon, but I knew this young lady would not live. I'll never be fully aware of what went on with the faith walk of my daughter. I wouldn't let her go in the room. I said, you don't want to see her this way. You want your last memory of her to be that beautiful strawberry blonde hair and those sparkling blue eyes and that smile. I didn't have any answers. I know about grief. I know about loss. I know about traumatic grief. I'm a certified bereavement counselor, among other things. But but there are some things that are beyond human capability. And I really don't believe there's always a why. I believe we will live in a world controlled by physics and corrupted by sin. But this happened in Lonnie Beth's life when she was young. After high school, Lonnie Beth was playing volleyball at Troy University. I was speaking at Faulkner University for their lectureships. Faulkner is in Montgomery. A young man in her life, not really a boyfriend, but possibly more than a friend who was a boy. This boy, who was a friend, fell asleep behind the wheel of his car somewhere between Troy and Auburn and wrapped his car around a utility pole. He he was by himself. He was alone. There were no other vehicles involved. She called me from school. I was at the lectureship, and I left the lecture... And we drove to the hospital across the Georgia line. The young man in the bed would 
never walk or talk again. He'd have permanent brain injury, and the last time I saw him, he weighed 80 pounds. Lonnie Beth had demanded that she be allowed to walk in that room and see him. I hadn't let her go into the room to see the babysitter all those years ago. And when she walked out of the room with the young man, she walked out of that room as a different person. In 2009, she was standing beside a bed that I was in. I was told that the first time she walked in that room and saw me in the bed with the tubes and the bag and the breather, that she just simply left the room saying, that's, that's not my dad. And now she's grown. Now she's married. Her faith is what it is because of or in spite of those visits to the hospital and standing beside those beds and, and, and many, many other things. When she texted me and said that was really hard, my only reply was that she had been uniquely qualified and had 25 years of practice and perhaps those tragedies had uniquely qualified her to stand beside those kind of beds and minister to hurting people, not understanding exactly what's going on, but having a position to understand what could possibly be going on. Experience is not what happens to you, but what you do with what happens to you. It's understanding that once I've had bad gravy, I can be prepared for some more bad gravy. In the movie The Untouchables, Sean Connery has a famous line. There's been an attack, a tragedy, and he confronts the young treasury agent that he is mentoring. The young treasury agent comes in and Sean Connery has been attacked and, and he's going to die. And he looks at this young man and in that brogue accent, he asks him, what are you prepared to do about it? And that's often a response we contemplate in the face of tragedy. That may be a, a line that repeats in our minds when we see trauma or disappointment or loss. Now that this has happened, now that I've experienced this, what am, what am I prepared to do? I don't understand prayer. I, I'm not qualified to explain the precise working of prayer and providence. I believe it works. I believe God intervenes, and I would say intervenes in a non-miraculous way, but I think any time the supernatural touches the natural, it's miraculous. And that may not be in the instantaneous healing kind of thing, but I do believe that we're allowed to pray, and I believe that when we pray, there is intervention. And I believe that sometimes the events in our lives are ordered in such a way that when things happen, 
they can be later on be useful. I don't think everything has a reason. I don't think everything is positive, but I do believe everything ends up being useful because experience is not what happens to you, but what you do with what happens to you. So as you stand beside those beds or in front of those gravestones, or you read those texts, or you get those phone calls, or you watch the screen on your TV, and the question is probably not to ask, what are you prepared to do? Probably the more important question is, what am I being prepared to do? Keeping up with Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure is sponsored by us. What? We sponsor ourselves? Is that even legal? Check us out on Amazon. You can have access to the titles of Pedagogue, the youth ministry book by Lonnie Jones. Cognitive spiritual development, a Christ-centered approach to spiritual self-esteem. Grappling with life, controlling your inside space a small essay using the principles of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu to talk about psychological and emotional self-defense. If I Were a Mouse, a children's book written and illustrated by Lonnie Jones. And then The Selfish Reel, a very short story about a decision. Also, you can check out our YouTube channel to see archived lessons and presentations from across the country, some videos with uh, rope tricks and knots, Don't forget to visit the uh, Facebook page, 550 Guys, to learn about the little rope men that we make and that we invented and that we make. And then be sure to click like, subscribe, and share. This is Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure. Mm -hmm.